At 12.02 on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Dr. Payne Show, we are ready to answer your calls. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You're feeling pain, you're trying to rehab, you're not sure where to go. What's the uh, beginning answer? The first question should be yours here to uh, to Dr. Lou this afternoon, right till 1 o'clock today. We will deal with ever pain and whatever discomforts and maladies you're right, you're talking about today. We always get tons of emails as well. Maladies. maladies. I, I love when you You like say that word, that, yeah. eh? That's the $5 word. <laughs> maladies. I can't spell it, but that's okay. That's all right. Yours is uh, what? Morbidities. That's yours. Morbidities. Core yeah. morbidities. Yeah. Yours Co- just sounds morbid. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, that's what I learned through You're a morbid school. guy. Yeah, exactly. That's all there is to it. That's exactly it. Uh, info at paincarecanada.com for uh, emails as well. We'll get to a few of those today when we have time. Talk about, uh, oh, dude, I need you. I hurt my back this week. It's a, Why? It's now a, well, it's now a 26-year-old injury, so we'll start with that. Lower back. Went to the gym. I was okay. Felt a little stiff. Did some shoulder work. And then after that, I'm like, Man, my car is really dirty. I'm going to go wash my car. So I'm at the coin wash because I never go through the uh, automated wash. I hand wash it. So I... Spray it with the soap, then I grab the brush, and it, oh, there it goes. Boom. You get that electric shock, and then you're done for four days. Any pain down the leg? No, nothing down the leg. It's always, it's always, yeah, L4, L5. Yeah. Good times. I've been fighting this for 26 years, brother. That's uh, a problem. That's the way it happens for sure. As your body, like, this is where I've talked about, and we were just talking before. If you've never done good rehabilitation of the low back, this is where problems are uh, likely to reoccur going forward. So what happens is in a moment like what you're doing, if you've never done really good rehabilitation after that injury 26 years ago, all of a sudden you may be doing something, you're moving around, your body gets lazy, all of a sudden the core isn't stabilizing itself for even a split second. And you go to move and what happens because that lack of core stabilization the joints within the back maybe move even like a minuscule amount of a degree more than they naturally would. If because the, the core, muscle's not there? C- correct, because your uh. core, just, not that it's not there, the core's just not properly stabilizing. Right. So now all of a sudden that joint has just a little bit more range, and I'm talking about minuscule fractions, um, fractions of degrees, more than it would otherwise have. As that happens, there's receptors in the joint that tell your brain what's happening in the joint at any given time. And as that happens, as it goes beyond its point, a signal gets sent to your brain saying, hey, hang on a sec. This joint has gone further than I want it to ever go. Do something about it. And the bottom will, or the body will then spasm in order to keep you safe. So it's supposed to be a protective mechanism. uh, But that's what ends up happening if, uh, if you haven't, if at any point with a previous injury and with lack of core stabilization, it's not uncommon to hear what you just said those reoccurrences happening in these mundane tasks that you don't, you would otherwise think this isn't going to affect me. I'm putting on a sock or I'm grabbing something. I'm about to wash my car. But it's in those moments where you're actually less likely to stabilize your core cognitively just because it's something you do all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, versus if you had to go pick up something heavy and you know you have a back injury. Yeah, you'll probably mentally prepare for it and say, hang on a sec, let me use my knees, brace my core. So it's very, very important. And that's the important component of, of good rehabilitation is it makes that core stabilization happen so that it happens subconsciously. And that's what you have to achieve with rehab. You start with thinking about it and then finally getting it to the point where it's constantly there doing what it has to do. It's amazing. If everyone knows what I'm talking about, if you've had lower back, especially it's like that oh, brutal yeah. electric shock. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, it takes your breath away and, and, you, and you know you're done. That's not um, just, you know... Uh, something that happens in the low back, you can get that feeling in the mid back, in the neck. Oh. It, that's that's just the way it happens. Awful. Yeah, it's absolutely dreadful. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. But that's why we are here. Mary, good afternoon. 
Last week, <laughs> chap called in to talk about plantar fasciitis, and in the course of that talk, he mentioned just in case this could be helpful to other people with the affliction. Mm-hmm. He mentioned a certain kind of sock, and he even named it, but yep. I, I didn't get what he said. And he mentioned somehow about its function. Could you elaborate on its function, how it is useful, what that name is, and where I can buy it? Sure. You can actually do that. I mean, they're available at you know most places, pharmacies, things like that. All that the function of the sock is, actually what I usually tell people to do is take a really, like an old sock that's that's really long, uh, have so that the toe is a little bit, um, it's not snug to your foot, okay. and you then get um, a paper clip and you kind of pin it to the top of the shin. It's, it's harder. I can, it's, it's probably easier if, if you're listening and you're interested, I'll post something on social media stuff. Uh, but all it really does is hold your foot in dorsiflexion. When you, dorsiflexion is having your toes pointed up. So if everyone, if you're, kind, if you're able to look at your toes right now and point them up, what you'll notice when you do that is you create a little bit of an arch in the foot. Yep. So as you dorsiflex, you create more of an arch. And uh, the whole point of the sock is that you want to keep that arch it, um, as high as possible so that uh, it's not healing without the weight-bearing components. So that, because we've talked about where um, if you are sleeping at night and all of a sudden you get up, you have plantar fasciitis, it's usually those first few steps that are very, very painful. And that happens yeah. because all of a sudden now you've introduced this new range to your foot that it hasn't had over the last seven or eight hours while you're sleeping yeah. versus if you use this sock uh, to, and, and you can just kind of type in plantar fasciitis sock on Google and you'll find exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and there's different forms of them. There's different names. Uh, and, and it just really what it does is it creates an arch support and keeping that arch support minimizes uh, the amount of, uh, I guess, scar tissue that happens when it's not uh, supported with the arch. Does that worn at night or during the day or? Well, at night, during the day, that's where the next thing during the day is kind of using the orthotics. But again, yes. these things are not things, and I, and I kind of t- touched on this a little bit last week. These are not necessarily things that will be curative initially, but they may help to prevent a reoccurrence or if you're going through treatment. But usually when you have plantar fasciitis, if you haven't done any other treatment and you're just focusing on wearing a sock and wearing orthotics, it's not uncommon to not get better. You do need to have... A, you have a to get to a certain bit. point before you can start exactly. using that appliance. And, and that's part of it, right? right, right. And, and also the other thing here is, here's the dangerous thing about talking about any of these types of things. You'll talk about this, and now everyone will think that using the plantar fasciitis sock should cure plantar fasciitis. Everyone's plantar fasciitis is a little bit different, and for some people, we recommend doing that if we determine that that will help their issue. For some people, we don't. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a a solution for everyone, and it may not be a solution for you, Mary, or it may very well be part of the solution for you. But usually these things, when you treat uh, something like plantar fasciitis is multimodal. There's a bunch of different things that you're doing with orthotics, the sock, and some treatment. Uh, and maybe that treatment in some cases is only manual therapy. In other cases, it's acupuncture. In other cases, it's shockwave therapy. Sometimes it's laser, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where these um, cookie-cutter approaches to, right. to the treatment of the some band-aid. type of malady yeah. right, wow. is, <laughs> is not necessarily the best approach where you have to use that individual, individual approach where you look at the person and you assess the specific complaint and say, okay, here's how we're going to treat your plantar fasciitis, not how we treat yeah. plantar fasciitis in general right. because those are two very different things. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate your call, Mary, and thank you for listening. She was obviously around last week with us as well. We'll take a a short break. Your phone calls uh, continue our discussion, which we opened with about that. uh, Or comorbidities, (laughs) or whatever you call them. You're all technical on me. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Info at paincarecanada.com. Dr. Payne Show continues talk radio, AM 640. It is 12.13 here till 1 o'clock answering your phone calls. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You got pain, bring it on. We'll uh, we'll discuss it on the show today. Got an email, though, info at paincarecanada.com. I do. I have an email here. So um, Allison says, I have widespread pain issues with joints and chronic headaches. Most recently having a severe episode of what I think may be occipital neuralgia. I've seen many doctors and there's no diagnosis and no effective treatment to date. I'm unable to work due to this recent episode and in desperate need of relief. Please let me know if you can help. Okay. So, you know, very, I guess, non-specific in terms of the widespread pain. This definitely sounds like a case where somebody um, has had long-standing uh, issues and has created some type of a chronic pain uh, type of perspective. One thing that I thought was interesting was uh, when she says, uh, most recently having severe episodes of what I think may be occipital right. neuralgia. And I wanted to kind of highlight, I think it's important to be informed as um, as a person with what's going on with your body, but there's also a dangerous point of where you try to be your own doctor and you're convinced that you have a certain diagnosis. Right. Because what ends up happening in those cases is if you start to experience A, B, C, D symptom. You type that into Google, you're going to get a list. Mm -hmm. You're then going to start to set yourself up to believe that that list is the only list that's right. Those that it can only be this. And, you know, in, in instances where those symptoms correlate with something absolutely severe and debilitating, you now start to really, really worry about everything. And then you're going to different doctors, different healthcare professionals saying, here's my issue. They're telling you it's something different. You're not going to be a lot of people just don't end up believing them because they're like, well, no, I I think I think I know what I have. It is a very, very dangerous thing to be your own doctor for that reason. I think it's again, it's very important to be informed and to, um, you know, do the right things for your health. But you do need to understand at a certain point, you have to put your faith in the people that you're seeing because that's they're the experts in these things. Um, not Google Med School. Not yeah. Google Med School, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if the experts, and again, that doesn't mean that if one person tells you something that I'm telling you to accept that like the word of God, you may want a second opinion, mm-hmm. a third opinion. But if the professionals are consistently giving you the same type of answer, you don't need to go to another 15 different healthcare professionals to look. Right. Chances are, it's 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 a little bit different if you see one doctor and then you see another doctor and it's two conflicting um, types of opinions. Maybe that's kind of a yep. red flag where it's like, hmm, I wonder, like, let me get another opinion. But if you see one or two people or three people and they've all kind of told you the same thing, hey, I believe it's it's this instead of this, you need to put your confidence in that because if you don't put your confidence in that, it also hinders your prognosis to get better. Right. And so that's a very, very important thing. And unfortunately, in the day and age we live in now, um, you know, even myself as a healthcare professional, as a doctor, I will go on Google sometimes and type things in when I feel certain things. It's just na- it's a natural thing yep. that we all there's do. There's forums, there's yeah, blogs, exactly. And you right? start reading what you know the most. You know, you, th- there'll be a certain way that a certain um, malady presents, and <laughs> and then and then you go read some forum about some person who it you know ended up starting a totally different way. But you need to realize these are the rare cases, right? So um, again, I think it's very very important for people to. 
uh, be careful with how much of their own research they're doing about their health. And if you're obsessing about this, mm-hmm. you know, when you create an obsessive compulsive disorder about your health and you start to become a hypochondriac, you have to understand that the obsessive compulsive component, you obsess about your health and then you go look stuff up on Google, you're creating an obsessive compulsive disorder. So at some point you need to cut, you Break need it. to stop that cycle yeah. because it will prevent you from getting better. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dave, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Turn down your radio if it's on, please. Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm 52 years old now, and um, I'm finding, uh, I'm getting headaches uh, every every second day, almost every day. Um, I find sometimes when the low pressure comes, it's uh, worse, it intenses, um, two days before rain comes. And uh, about four or five years, it's getting more and more worse. I try, you know, I've tried uh, Advil, ibuprofen, and the only thing that can really take the edge off is... Um, half a Tylenol 1, which I don't like to take, but it takes the edge off for about an hour or two. And uh, when I finally get home after a day's work, I will admit I smoke a marijuana joint. Yep. And that takes care of it completely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, go ahead. No, I just want to know what you think of this. Yeah, so I mean, number one, a headache is is nonspecific, right? In the in the sense that a lot of different things can cause headaches. So my first thing, if I saw you, I'd want to try to figure out what is potentially causing this headache. As I've discussed a lot of times on the show, some very serious issues can cause headaches. So what I'd want to do first is rule out that there's any red flags associated with this headache, that, you know, there's no uh, severe neurological symptoms that go along with it, et cetera, et cetera. If we can eliminate the red flags, um, then we start to, you know, understand that this is a benign type of headache and we start dealing with something that is likely um, probably much more related to mechanical function of the back, the neck, and those areas. Uh, Exactly, that that will create some type of a headache or head pain. and even the things you say where, you know, like smoking uh, marijuana takes the edge off, that, that will relax your body if your body relaxes. Right. So it, a lot of times with these types of headaches, again, that's the process. Number one, you have to make sure that there's no red flags associated, that this isn't something uh, more sinister that's causing the headache. Once you can be confident that, no, this isn't anything overly severe in terms of the headache presentation, that this is likely just related uh, to benign causes... Well, then there's other different treatment approaches, and and it really depends, right? Is it, for example, tight trap muscles that are causing the headache? Well, in that case, then manual therapy for those muscles is going to be very, very important. Is it a joint issue in the neck causing the headache? Maybe manipulation is the answer for that type of headache. Um, Is it a combination of both? And then maybe there needs to be a combination of treatments. So, you know, and then also even going back to the muscle, maybe the myofascial release for this specific person doesn't work. So maybe you have to try another intervention like acupuncture. This is where, uh, you know, what I was talking about when I started the show is that you need to find the specific answer for the specific person. And that's where the assessment is so very important because you can specifically assess you, the person. And that's what I do is I specifically assess you to figure out what's causing your headache because we don't necessarily, I think the most dangerous thing is when you just start to clump people into a diagnosis and have that cookie cutter approach where, yep, this is how all headaches that, you know, are due to trap muscles are treated. They're treated like this. No, 
that may not necessarily be the right answer for you, Dave, and it may not necessarily be the right answer for another person listening with the similar type of headache. But again, just to go back, the what I think needs to be done is number one, uh, an assessment to determine is there any red flags associated with this. If not, and we're confident that it's benign, then we need to determine how we treat that type of benign headache uh, specific to what's going on with you. Dave, moving forward, you want to make that phone call, free assessment, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. More of your phone calls coming up here. Dr. Payne Show rolls on Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 1224, Saturday afternoon, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Back at it, Joan, uh, good afternoon. Yes, thank you for taking my call, Dr. Wu. No problem. I've always had blood pressure, most, low blood pressure most of my life. Recently, it's been very, very high, up to almost 200, Ooh. and I can't, I can't get it down. My doctor wants me to go on medication, but I would really prefer not to. So I've looked at various products at health food stores, and I'm considering Bell. Is that a good one? Sorry, what is it? Bell. Bell product for, it's called Bell Lifestyle Blood Pressure Formulation. I'm not, in all honesty, I'm not familiar with it. The one thing that I, I do want to comment on is when, especially if you have, have had, you know, low blood pressure and all of a sudden it's that high, number one is trying to figure out what's the reason it's getting that high. But what I can tell you is that when your blood pressure is that high, you're at risk for some very serious things like stroke. And although medication may not necessarily be your primary choice, you need to understand that walking around with blood pressure as high as 200 over whatever it may be is is life-threatening at that point. And so um, I would definitely continue having the discussion with your family doctor that you're having um, and trying to find a way that, you know, maybe there's a way that you use whatever the desired medication is for a period of time until you get it under control, at which point once you get it under control, you may want to then transition to a more natural approach or lifestyle modifications, which you should be doing anyways in conjunction with um, the medication. But I, I would definitely say that, you know, hearing just as little as I've heard from you, that if your blood pressure is that high, that is potentially a very, very dangerous thing. Uh, and you you want to definitely prevent the, the, the side effects of that and the biggest one being stroke. Yeah, you're right, for yep. sure. Yeah. So you don't think that I can bring it down with my diet and eating extra garlic, things like that, doing things? Well, I think I think that may be part of it, but I don't think that you should just rely on that. To see, this is here's here's the thing, and and the population is very much becoming. I, I think as time goes on, more and more people are afraid to use medicines. Like you know, thirty years ago, a doctor told you to take a medicine. There was no question. Yeah, no problem. I'll yeah. take whatever you tell me. Now we're becoming much much more informed. We're realizing the potential side effects of these things, and so now we're moving towards an area of where people don't want to use it. What we need to remember is that there needs to be a happy medium. Yeah. There is a time and a place for everything, including medicine and surgery. It is extremely extremely important. It saves lives every single day. And these are the situations where if you, if you called me and said, my blood pressure is 130 over 85, slightly elevated. And I've been told to go on some type of a holistic type of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'd say that's not a bad approach. It doesn't sound like it's anything severe. It's a little high, et cetera, et cetera. But when you start getting into a range of 200 over whatever the other number may be, that's potentially, this is why medicine exists. This is the reason it's to help with these issues that could potentially be, because that's, that's essentially to put it 
you know, plainly, it's a ticking time bomb. That's that is very, very dangerous to have your blood pressure that high. I, I can't stress enough how dangerous that is. So get it down and deal with it once you get, get it, down. it down. Once it's down, maybe then start having the conversation about, you know, more lifestyle modifications, more natural products. But I definitely think if your doctor's recommending uh, the medicine, there, there's obviously a good reason if what you're saying is accurate that your blood pressure's that high. That's that's very, very dangerous. Even at what, even if it were down at 195, it's still very dangerous. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, normal is 120 over 80, and then once you start getting into you know 130, 140, that's hypertension, and it's you know a lot of people walk around day to day with that. And but anything over 150 is is dangerous. It's and and to be that high, 195, 200. I, I I just I it's I'm baffled. I don't know what else to say. It's very very high, and I think you should uh, need to deal with it. Right you away. need to deal with it. So I encourage you to continue having the conversation uh, with your family doctor. Joan, I appreciate your call. We'll slip you in uh, here quickly. Philip, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, Philip. Hello. Yes, go Hello. ahead. Good afternoon. It's Felix. Yes. Oh, Hi, Felix. Felix. Oh, Felix. How are you? I'll go ahead. Okay, thank you, uh, Doctor Lou. I had an accident about uh, a year and a half ago. A vehicle accident. Okay. And uh, at that time, I had problem, uh, pain on my side, which was on the left side, I was the driver. Mm-hmm. And my driving foot uh, was hurting badly. Uh, there was, uh, we were taken to the hospital for immediately after the accident for evaluation. x rays showed no broken bones, this and that. We were asked to go home. And uh, I contacted my doctor the following day and went to see him. We had x-rays, no broken bones. But I still have problem on my left side since then. MRI showed nothing. X-rays showed nothing. And uh, my wife was in the same accident, too. The, right. uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, the airbag deployed. Yep. So she was complaining about her. She asked, that's why we went to the hospital. Sure. And uh, they wanted to cut her off after about six months. So I said, no, they wrote me a letter on a piece of paper, no letterhead, nothing, no company name from the insurance, trying to cut us off that, okay, that is it, in terms of treatment. Okay. So from that time on, they, they continue because I wrote them a letter. And now what is happening is that we are still feeling this pain, finally myself on the left side of my uh, ribs. Mm-hmm. And uh, about two weeks ago, the centers for independent assessment, which is a joke because it was not independent. So what happened was that uh, by the time he was examining me, he pulled uh, my ribs up. As soon as he tore one particular rib, it's as if somebody stabbed me right there. And he made me walk on my toes, back and so, forth. So, Felix, and so- and sorry to interrupt. Not- What's the question here? Okay, my question is that if all these uh, assessments are not giving me anything, mm-hmm. uh, therefore, it's not a bone. I don't think it's a bone, but nobody is seeing right. anything else, including my doctor. Okay. All they say is MRI, this and this. Yes. What so, so, I le- so let me answer this. So you can be involved in a motor vehicle accident or any type of trauma for that fact. We have to understand, so so there's a little too much reliance on imaging and not taking into consideration clinical symptoms. What I mean by that is if you have, if you hurt your foot, and yes, the first line in in trauma, the first line should be take an x-ray because let's make sure the bone is not broken. You then take uh, an x-ray to make sure the bone is not broken. Then you do an MRI to look for things. 
MRIs have their limitations. They can only see certain things. So all of these diagnostic tests have limitations and are looking for specific things that may be considered. The one thing that's never going to show up on any single test out there is functional deficit. And what I mean by a functional deficit is you, a weakness may have been created or um, a compensation may have been created in your body after the accident due to the pain that you felt. That's a functional assessment is very, very different than assessing through an MRI or an X-ray or an ultrasound. That's going to be assessing for something very specific, some type of specific tissue. But it's not another thing that doesn't happen with these. You don't go into an MRI machine and move your foot around. And your foot likely probably hurts when you move around. Exactly. So you have to look at the functional aspect. It's great that those tests have been been done because they rule out you know much more serious issues but that doesn't mean that because those tests show nothing that there's no uh, cause of the pain that you're feeling there likely is a cause to the pain you're feeling and it's likely a functional deficit of some kind and unfortunately family doctors and specialists that deal you know like you know a specialist is a specialist because they're meant to deal with these very serious things these functional yeah. issues are much better assessed through people like chiropractors, physiotherapists, um, you know, massage therapists to some extent. That's where you're going to find more answers. So I encourage you, give me a call. Let's assess that from a functional perspective, and we can probably find uh, an answer for what's going on. Felix, here's the number, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, one 855 doctor Lou. Call it, get that free assessment happening, and get on the road to recovery, my friend. More of your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne, show till 1 o'clock, talk radio, AM 640. Or call now, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Jamie, hello there. Hello, hi, and thank you for taking my call. No worries, what's going on? Yes, for almost two years, I have been suffering from mechanical pain because I'm working in a job where where you're standing for a good eight hours, and I've been I'm constantly, you know, taking time off work. I've tried um, different pain medications, but every time when I take time off work, and then and then when I go back to work, like within a week later, that I'm still experiencing the same pain. And I've tried, I've, I've gone through so many different um, medications through my doctor, but nothing seems to work. And I'm really am concerned that I've been trying to leave my job, but I, I'm really not sure of my options to, to really treat this mechanical pain from getting worse mm-hmm. right so i mean the biggest thing here is yeah. that you know if you know what the aggravating factor is okay you can have the best therapy in the world the best medications in the world if you reintroduce an aggravating factor that creates pain right. well then it's going to be created like there's no difference <clears throat> between saying you know when i throw a football in this motion i have shoulder pain and it's always like that. And when I don't throw a football, it's great. But then I go back and throw a football and I now have pain. That, that's just the reality of you, you got to make a choice at that point. Do I ever throw a football again? Do I learn to throw a football maybe a little bit differently in a pattern that doesn't stress whatever issue is going on? So I think that's where you're faced. I, I don't think any type of treatment or... Uh, you know, intervention is going to solve the issue forever. What's going to happen is it's still going to come back down to whatever is aggravating you. There might be a way to modify the type of work that you're doing so that it doesn't create as much of an issue. Um, And that may be, you know, 
maybe if you're standing, uh, you, you have to build in 10 minute breaks or something where you walk around or whatever. I, I haven't assessed your specific job, so I don't know. But yeah. what I what it sounds like is that this is an issue where there needs to be a modification of the type of work or, or not, never mind saying work, but a modification of the activity that's aggravating because it's creating a wear and tear pattern. Um, and that wear and tear pattern, no matter what you do, is going to be there if you reintroduce the same activity. Yeah. So there might be a way to modify the activity to change some things about it uh you know maybe sometimes it's a matter of raising this lowering that et cetera, et cetera, that can create that but that's that's again that's kind of a functional uh, evaluation of a workspace and that is something we can absolutely help you with if you're interested but okay. that we would need to go that route in terms of trying to figure it out from that perspective it doesn't sound like i could say to you you know go do acupuncture and that's going to solve your issue it, it's not you're telling me that as long as you're not doing what you're doing you're fine uh, and and therefore you're telling me that the aggravating uh, issue is the activity, which is your work. So right. um, we need to look at it and, and give me a call. We can do an assessment where we go through the type of work you're doing and, and try to figure out um, potentially a way to modify it or change it, et cetera. Okay. Okay. All right. I will call you guys um, next week. Sure. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate that. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. And that's something that you know, if it's done correctly, can be can be mandated, obligated by the the workplace to do. Yeah, modified uh, duties. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, if if it's something that needs to be done. Um, but in a lot of these cases, it's also very simple things. Like some people tend to be their own worst enemies in these mm. things, where they're sitting at a desk, and you know, it's I hear this all the time, and. Oh, I'm I'm at my desk and and I have you know shoulder pain and arm pain and it's like well how often do you take a break I'm at, at lunch and it's like your work doesn't prevent you from getting up and moving around for two minutes every fifteen or twenty minutes you choose not to do you that have to. Uh, and so you need to build in these types of breaks we're not meant to be static creatures no matter what that is whether it's standing or sitting or walking we are meant to change what we're doing uh, and and that's very very important and I think that's the most important advice when it comes to an occupational standpoint that I often give is change whatever you're doing every 20 minutes or so uh, and and change it for a few minutes. And that greatly, greatly improves uh, the outcomes for diminishing uh, workplace-related pain. We'll take a uh, short one, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell more of your calls right to 1 o'clock. You have issues, you have pain, bring it on. We want to hear from you. Dr. Pain Show. Talk Radio, AM 640. 1243, lots of time to get your phone calls in. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Chris, hello there. Good evening. God, good afternoon. Sorry, it's good not evening. that late yet. Jeez. I know. It's been oh, a long day. Well, having fun, eh? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Chris? Uh, yeah, thank you, Doc, for taking my call. Um, I had a question. Um, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and for the last three years, she's been, uh, she's been in dance for a long time, going to dance maybe four classes in the evenings right. in the last five years. But she's been dealing with um, <clears throat> what got diagnosed as Osgood Slaughter's disease. It's like knee pain or yep. inflammation of the knee joint. Yep. And uh, I've tried talking to her about taking a rest, taking a little break, but this is her passion, and mm. that's what I'm fighting right now. So I'm just wondering if there's any long-term effects mm. this could have on her body. They tell me that it's just something she's going to have to deal with, that it's... It's a common adolescent uh, yeah, it's growth, right. uh, comes with growth spurts and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So my question is uh, twofold, to treat it mm-hmm. or to uh, 
bring the hammer down and just force it to take like a break, two, three months, half a year. Yeah, so Osgood slaughters is when the patellar tendon that attaches on the uh, tibial tubercle uh, and in adolescence with growth plates are open, there's a pulling sensation on that that causes an inflammation. And then the long-term consequence, and a lot of people may actually have it and not realize, it's kind of like below your kneecap, you'll feel there's a, a bit of a deformity there, a, bi a big bump right. uh, is Osgood Schlatter's disease. And that's eventually what happens just because as the bone, as that pulling continues to happen, the body lays down calcium, calcium solidifies, become more becomes more bone. Um I don't think you should necessarily stop her from doing what she's doing. I think it needs to be a combination of controlled rest with treatment. Uh, the rest doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, two or three months, especially if it's something she has a passion for. Uh, the long, there's really no long-term consequences besides the fact that you develop that, that uh, you know, deformity that I was talking about where you see a bit of a bump. Uh, so it is something that she can likely continue to do what she's doing, treat it and like treat it from a professional standpoint, but also she can learn and you can learn the, the appropriate things to do uh, post activity to minimize the pain that's caused and the swelling that's caused. So I, I'd have to obviously assess it to be sure uh, that it is Osgood Schlatter's because other things can mimic that type of knee pain. Uh, but I don't think if it is that it's necessarily something that she needs to uh, 100% cold turkey stop. There's probably a nice in between with some controlled rest um, and and therapy that can help control this for her. Okay, thanks. And okay. I wanted to ask you, what do you think of this uh, this tape? I've been buying this tape from for her from uh, Shoppers Drug Mart. It kind of sticks on to that point, mm -hmm. and she and says it has some effect, but I I just think it's. Yeah, so, so are you talking about like kinesi uh, kinesiology tape? Yeah, so, yes. so the tape, it's not like a Band-Aid where like you put it on and it has an effect. The, the tape needs to be used in a certain manner. So absent of a professional who understands the body doing it and tries to tape in a way to, you know, either uh, put pressure on a muscle or, you know, do this or do that, I, I doubt that you have that knowledge. So for you to just be buying it and putting it on top of her is the same as, you know, if you put a tensor bandage on her or something mm -hmm. uh, that just applies pressure and people tend to like you know your arm could be sore and you grab it and hold it and it feels better because pressure just tends to feel good uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it solves an issue but with kin tape and and uh, taping in general there needs to be an intent and usually that intent is needs to be applied by a professional or a professional would have had to teach you something where they say hey Chris here's what I want you to do with your daughter with the mm -hmm. tape etc 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 so to just bite and, and plop it on is probably not doing anything uh besides wasting a lot of tape i guess yeah pretty yeah. much it's 30 bucks a roll yeah yeah <laughs> but it's go. not snake oil it does have a function it's actually it has yeah, yeah it, it well it has a function for sure if it's used with the intent of that function yes adam we'll get to you before we break uh, good afternoon good afternoon so this i have a schizophrenic sister and she doesn't get out of bed for days at a time now she's complaining about back pain, and she thinks it's the mattress, and I just think she doesn't move. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I probably don't have to see her to tell you 100% that's likely what it is. Uh, we've talked about that the majority of the joints in the body are called synovial joints. That means that they uh, get lubrication. Uh, through movement and that lubrication is important because it has nutrients and it also takes waste away from the joint. 
Um, and so we've talked about where, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people that used to have back spasms, the doctor would say, just lay in bed for a week yeah, and, don't move. and people were actually getting worse. That's the reason why you get worse. Your, your body is meant to move and those yeah. joints in, within the absence of movement, uh, is going to create a pain syndrome. So, uh, I mean, I can never say anything for sure, especially over the phone, but it definitely sounds like her issue is just simply related to being in bed all the time. If anybody that has done it, you've been sick with a cold or whatever, and you stay in bed for oh, a little more than you usually do. The next day, it's happened to me too, where I'm like, wow, my back's really sore, my neck's yeah, sore. You just feel like, yeah, you're yeah. meant to be moving around. The body needs to move. If would going to like just getting a massage help her at all? I think it it would be short lived. I think again, if I think yeah. the the movement around, it's not necessarily that it's a massage that's helping her, but just the fact oh. that she's going to be moving around. Now, the one thing about massage is she's going to go from lying down to lying down again, and having someone right. push on the muscles may actually inflame her. I would just encourage oh. you to get her up and walking around, even if she does it for you know a few minutes every hour, is right. going to be better than nothing at all. Adam, appreciate your calls and more of your calls coming up here in the next uh, couple of minutes as we go till 1 o'clock in the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Talk radio, AM 640. Let's get through these calls in the remaining few minutes here. Uh, Shyam, hello. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? Good. What's going on with you, pal? Uh, I got a left leg sciatica. Okay. And uh, it's uh, from the back, uh, you know, the, the base of my back, and it goes on the left leg. Uh, it's from uh, September 3rd. So what's the question? And everything. Yeah. So what's the question? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know the answer. What could be, mm-hmm. uh, what could be the treatment or whatever? There's, it, it, it depends on what the cause is. So sciatica just tells me that it's leg pain. You're assuming that it's from your back. It could be different structures in the back causing it, like a disc herniation, uh, yeah. tight muscle. It could be a peripheral entrapment of the nerve. So the treatment needs to be based on whatever the issue is that's causing the problem, and that needs to be assessed. So give me a call. We can definitely assess that. That is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Hello, Max. Yes. How are you, sir? Bad. Okay, what's so, going on? Uh, so far, uh, uh, Polly, have you P O L Y M Y A L G I A? Polymyalgia. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've been assessed for that. Okay. Now, uh, have you run into this problem before? Yep. Poly, well, polymyalgia rheumatica, or just polymyalgia? No, the poly. Uh, polymyalgia rheumatica yeah so poly meaning multiple myalgia meaning yeah, muscle and rheumatica a, a term for uh autoimmune like rheumatoid type of pain so it's, yeah, it's well it affects only your shoulders and the and hips usually yeah and your hips mm-hmm. yeah okay so now, what's the question what uh what i'm concerned about what kind of uh l a p o prednisone that's what i'm taking for it okay prednisone now, Pardon? I don't, I'm not sure. You say prednisone? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that uh, is that a serious p- pill or is it okay? Well, it's a it's a steroid, which is usually the intervention for these types of things. It's anytime you're dealing with something that's autoimmune and that's in its most inflamed state, there's not really much else besides steroid invention uh, intervention that could be mm-hmm. done. 
Uh, so, you know, is it something that you want to be on long term? Probably not, but in maybe the more acute phase. But it, again, it would need to be something that I assess specifically where you're at to make that determination. So give me a call, Max, uh, and we can actually assess this. Max, one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou again, one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And uh, good afternoon, Barbara. How are you? Oh, hi there. Um, good. I've got a sore shoulder. Okay. It's been sore for months, and yesterday morning I heard a pop. I think it's a rotator cuff, okay. and about an hour later it started swelling. It, it, it got to the size of almost a golf ball, and it's reduced now, but it's still sore. Okay, so I would definitely say that. if it, Did it pop out of the socket, you think? No, I don't think so. Like I was just bending and twisting behind my back, and it, it just went pop. Okay, so I, the most the most important thing is to assess if there's some type of an instability going on because if there is an instability with the rotator cuff muscles, you might be predisposed to dislocations, and those dislocations can you know impinge on nerves and things like that. Uh, but that's very very easy actually to assess clinically in an office. You don't need uh, many tests. So give me a call. We can easily assess that and determine. And then if if need be, we can get you to the to the right specialist to deal with that. Thank you, Barbara, and we will get to uh, John. Hey, John, how are you? Good afternoon. Hi, guys. Anyways, I, mm-hmm. I stretched out my Achilles ligament a year ago, mm-hmm. and now my back is out, and I got pain in the heel, and I <laughs> my left knee's gone, so my quad muscles, hamstring, or like I've been working out for an hour, I've done mm-hmm. laser with the ankle, just about four treatments, chiropractic massage therapy. It only lasts short term, like hours or a day or two. Mm-hmm. I can't function very well. Half steps is my gait. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going in to a new doctor, so I'm getting reassessed. But what do you think of the laser to work on the tendon because this is where it all kind of started i've been limping around so through the rest of me out yeah so i think laser so laser therapy uh, i'll just comment on what it does and what it does is essentially it's a it's when you look at modalities you can have pain modalities so things that maybe just block pain versus healing modalities which are things that promote the healing process laser uh, for musculoskeletal issues has been shown to promote blood flow to areas which helps the actual healing process so is it something that I use uh, for different issues and recommend? Yes, absolutely. Can I comment that it's the right thing for your issue? I'm not sure. I'd have to assess you. Yeah, uh, so to... you got a little bursitis in it now. Yeah, So, but a bursitis is mainly due to inflammation, so you'd want to be doing things to control inflammation, which... Um, so, and then that's what I mean. Like it, it really depends on what the exact issue is. And although you may think it's a bursitis, I, I need to make sure based on my evaluation that it is, and then I could make the right recommendation in general though, is laser therapy good? Yes, but it depends on what it's being used for. And it depends what the issue is. John, again, thanks for your call. one 855 doctor Lou, D-R-L-O. You got about uh, half a minute here, Gord. Uh, what's your question? Yes, my question is, I'm a long-distance truck driver. I'm uh, 54 years old, and I've got a problem. Well, I've got a lot of problems from lack of exercise, and I know it's because of my I can't have any steady schedule. But my question to you is, what's more important? Is it uh, sleep or is it getting your exercise? Huh? Because I don't have proper sleep, and in my job, I'm never going to get that. Yeah, um... I've learned to deal with it, but it's just something ongoing, yep. and I... I do exercise, but I just can't keep it up. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say both would be my most ideal answer, but yeah. I guess I get your point here. You may also be able to do things where you like exercise doesn't need to be um, necessarily what we perceive to be exercise. You could do different things, even in a truck to have exercise involved somehow while you drive, which I think would be more important. I guess if I, from a purely scientific perspective, humans can survive, I guess, without exercising, you can't really survive without right. sleep. So, uh, you know, if you're asking me what's biologically more important, I guess I would have to go with sleep. Another good one for this week, my friend. We are back uh, next week. So we'll yes, take a, a break from there. And the name number rather is one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Use the number, use the email, get that free assessment going. Until next time, Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.